I am Rachel Joy Barbeau, author of Relentless Joy and founder of I'm Changing the Narrative. And you are listening to Relationships and Revenue with John Hewlin. Life is all about relationships, and great leaders heavily invest in those relationships. On the Relationships and Revenue podcast, we talk about how to improve our most significant relationships at home so we can be better in our business relationships. We talk with experts from all over the world representing many disciplines about the best tips and strategies to become amazing people and amazing leaders. Welcome to the show. Welcome back, everyone, to the Relationships and Revenue Podcast. This is your host, John Hewlin. As always, thrilled to have each and every one of you with me today. And as you heard from that fantastic introduction, I have the one and only Rachel Joy Barbeau. Rachel, how are you? I am good. My hair is on fire. If people uh, <laughs> could have heard our pre-show intro, I'm like moving things out of the out of the shot. You heard me on the phone with. Uh, with my uh, with the travel agent, um, I almost got to an airport with no flight going somewhere else. And so uh, it's a good problem to have. I'm very, very blessed. Um, the phone could not be ringing. There could be nothing going on. Um, but there's lots going on. So I'm blessed, but I'm also crazy. And I admit it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a great thing. I'm glad that we can be a part of your joyful craziness. Yes, yes, yes. And this this podcast lands at a perfect week. You know, we're a couple of weeks out of of uh, releasing this book. I say we because there was a ton of people behind it that mm -hmm. that helped make this happen. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a great week, and I'm so glad to be on with you. Well, thanks for being here. You know, and I'm excited. And we're going to get into the book in just a minute. But for folks that don't know who you are, I want to go give a little bit of your background for everybody. And Rachel, you'll appreciate this because you were on TV so much. John does his research. And so it's John and is prepared. Now let's see what it's, you it's, got. <laughs> it's my it's my guideline. I don't have to stick to it, but it helps me. So I got this. You are a retired national sportscaster. You are on, I mean, goodness gracious, Fox Sports, ESPN, CBS Sports, Yahoo, Sirius XM. I mean, I know I could go on, but that's gives everybody kind of the idea behind it. Host of the Joy Starters podcast which I can't wait to talk a little bit more about that. Uh, goodness gracious, let's see. Health advocate, author of, as you just mentioned, your new book, Relentless Joy. Hold on, then there's there's the, uh, I want to make sure I get the subtitle right. Finding freedom, passion, and happiness, even when you have to fight for it. Yep. Okay, which of course, what's interesting, and I've discovered this as I'm beginning to write my first book right now, uh, you meet tons of authors, and what I'm finding on these titles is that people tend to remember the subtitle more than they remember the title. Yeah, that interesting. And and we went back and and forth uh, with my my you know my book company on this title. So it was like at first it was we promote. I think we 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 pitched it as chasing joy, and mm. then for whatever reason they didn't they didn't like that. And then it was unrelenting joy. And mm. then I came back to them and said, I don't really like the un at the beginning. Like, it doesn't feel like, doesn't roll off the tongue, feels like un, you know, like it just, it felt like more of a, yeah. And so I was like, what about relentless joy? And they were like, oh, okay. So, um, you know, my, my, if I had a subtitle to it, to add to it, it'd be how to find, keep and cultivate joy in a dark world. 
Mm. To to be honest, I think I like that better as the subtitle. Don't Truthfully, hope, I know. I hope nobody is watching. Uh, no, but I mean that you know. Uh, <laughs> I have a way I'm pitching the book, and I'm very, very, very grateful that they they published this book. But that's my Rachel's unabridged version of how, of how to pitch this book. Mm. Love that. Love that. Goodness gracious. Uh, of course, you're a speaker, you're founder of the organization. I'm chasing the narrative, which obviously we're going to get into that in just a minute. Uh, but I think you have two other titles that you probably hold most dear, wife and bonus mom. Yes. And I just realized as I put my hand by the by the camera there, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I don't have my wedding ring on. I'm like, I'm, I'm married. I am married. I <laughs> I took them off for CrossFit this morning and they didn't make it back on my hand. But yes, I'm very, very blessed. I have four amazing bonus kids. Um, they are 12, 14, 16, and 18. My husband just dropped the oldest off at the Merchant Marine Academy. It's wow. a, another one of the academies, like the Naval Academy, like the Air Force Academy, a little bit mm -hmm. lesser known um, mm -hmm. in Kingsport, New York. And, but they go through what they call indoctrination, which is, you know, a lot like tr uh, a training camp or a lot like uh, basic training, mm -hmm. but amped up. And then he'll play football there. And oh, wow. yeah, he loves, uh, he loves, you know, engines and fixing things and all of that. And so he'll be cool. working huge and be able to captain those huge boats at port. Um, nice. and so, yeah, so I'm, I'm very blessed. I've got, like I said, I got four kids out of it. And uh, I have a great husband as well. Fantastic. And how long have you been married? Uh, just a year and a half. We've been together almost seven, mm -hmm. uh, but married about a year and a half. Yeah. Year and a half. Okay. Yeah. Well, congrats on that. Yeah. So uh, do us a favor, Rachel. Uh, take us back because you don't just, most people anyway, don't wake up one day and just say, eh, I'm going to write a book. There's something that goes into that. So tell us kind of how you got your start and what led you to where you are today. Yeah. So. I got my start by uh, a, a number of things. I, I had been told my whole life, you need to write a book. You need to write a book. You need to write a book. And um, and I tried back in 2018. It's actually in the book. I It's a chapter in the book. I talk about it. And sometimes a no is just a not right now. You know, mm -hmm. oftentimes a no is not a no. I, I always laugh and make people, I make people giggle when I say this, when I speak around the country is that a no is only a hard no in dating. You know, like uh, that no is a hard no. Go away. We don't want you. No. Uh, but in other things, it just means you might need more education. It might not be the time. You might need more skills. It might not be the job for you. It just, again, might not be time. There might be something better out there. So mm. I love to say that to people. I tried. I put the dream on the back of the shelf uh, and God brought me to somebody. His name's Pastor Derwin Gray. And he brought me to him. I was doing his podcast and he said, you need to write a book. And I said, I tried. He said, you're going to meet my book agent after this. And I said, okay. And so I met the book agent and three days later I had an agent and four months later I had a book proposal and that led to this book. Yeah. Nice. So how did you get your start in podcast, not podcasting, in sports casting? Yeah. I knew I wanted to do uh, something publicly. I knew my communication and people were my gifts. I didn't exactly know what that looked like. I went to Auburn. I thought I was going to get a general assignment, um, a job reporting, you know, you know, the news. And then mm -hmm. I, I realized house fires and car wrecks just were my bag, not my thing. <laughs> and uh, and then I'm way too sensitive for that. And by the way, I'll tell anybody who's listening for this, you know, I was kind of told a, a lot by people growing up, not necessarily my, my parents, but just people, you know, toughen up, don't be so sensitive, don't cry. 
And now I recognize that sensitivity is my superpower because I Mm. feel things that maybe other people don't, and I can teach people to feel on a deeper level. Hmm. So I knew that, and I was working at the campus TV station, and they sent me out to cover the uh, the baseball team. And I remember doing my first interview, and I was so terrified. I think my eyeballs were shaking and uh, sweating, you know. And when a woman sweats on her upper lip, that means business, you know. It's, it's, <laughs> you, you better be scared there. No, I'm just kidding. And uh, so I started <laughs> it. I started sports casting then, and I never looked back for 17 years. Yeah. Okay. Now you mentioned something a moment ago, and I. I can't let it go. I I have to dig a little deeper into you talked about the fact that you feel things deeply. Yeah. But the thing that I'm most intrigued by is the fact that you're willing to teach people how to do that. How do you do that? It is. I call what I do soul training with I'm changing the narratives. And we've been around. um, We've been around. This will be our seventh. Now, this will be our sixth year coming up. And uh, and. We in that time, I say we because there's a whole team of people again. And I'm training other speakers, but I've been to 60 plus colleges, worked with them, many of them multiple mm. times. Um, I work with Customs and Border Patrol, halfway houses, law enforcement, prisons starting this fall, high schools, K through five, corporations, churches, basically wherever they'll have me. And what mm. I teach on is what I call soul training, which is uh, how to have good love for yourself and others, um, interpersonal relationships, mental health, um, and purpose beyond your job or athletics. And so in doing that soul training, I teach you to get in touch with your feelings, to sit with your feelings, to um, to find out what your strengths are. And also, I would say to you, John, what bothers you? What bothers you that does not bother other people? Yeah. If there's also something that you went through in your childhood that you survived, maybe it was a car wreck or abuse, or you had a, a family member that was an alcoholic. Maybe there's a calling in there. Oftentimes, our pain is attached to our greatest purpose, right? And so um, in teaching people to get in touch with their soul, to cultivate their soul, to do soul care, which is deeper than self-care, I'm teaching you to be in touch, and I'm teaching you to listen to your soul and what you need, and therefore you can feel on a deeper level. And I've had more more than several people, I should say, that have said to me, you know, I'm uh I'm I'm able to express myself to others better. I'm able to share my feelings. I'm able to be honest with myself. I just checked into therapy. So that's that's one of the many ways that we do it. Mm. Yeah. You know, it's it's interesting the way you were describing that, at least part of the process earlier. Um, I think of it this way. Uh, it it came to me one day. Honestly, I feel like God gave me an epiphany. Okay. Uh, I call it P3. Okay. Um, my greatest pain mm. when I work through it leads me to my purpose, which will provide my platform. Ooh, look at you. Have you, have you, um, have you, uh, trademarked that yet? Cause uh, wow, you may. John's working on it. (laughs) (laughs) I've just given you some friendly advice here. my friend. No, I appreciate that. I do. I do. Yeah. That's, that's something I'm working on right now. That's also pretty much the basis for the book I'm writing. Okay. So, which which I'm excited about. Where are you on that journey? Let's good. Okay. You talked about how the timing wasn't right for your yeah. book. The yeah. timing has been right for my book in like three different slots. It started, <laughs> oh my gosh, it started in 2016 and then was delayed till 2019, mm-hmm. delayed till now mm-hmm. for a variety of reasons. But um, it's, it's pretty interesting. It, it all stems for, well, it's, you can kind of see here. There's I've me seen them. with yeah. my three kids. Well, there is somebody not in this picture and it's my ex-wife. Uh, we were divorced April 1st, 2010. Okay. 
And I promise you I was the fool that day. I was. But I have also since then discovered this is part of the working through it. If I hadn't gone through that, I, I wouldn't be talking to you today. This podcast would not exist had I not done that. So let me pour into you. Let me give you a little nugget, take you through some I'm changing the narrative training. Nice. Is, is there something in you where you can speak to other men who are about to make decisions that, uh, that you've been down the road and can potentially those men uh, or people, you can prevent them from, from their family being. And, and I, again, I, I believe as a person of faith that um, even the worst things that God can make something beautiful from them, right? Oh. Like there's, there's so much scripture on that. <laughs> um, but maybe there's something in you. You always see these, these posts and whatnot on social media. It's like from a, you know, from a man or a woman that wishes they hadn't have done this or wishes they hadn't made that decision. And while it did lead to something beautiful for you, maybe you have some tips and and um, and tricks and and ideas for people that um, that may be walking that same road. Oh yeah, yeah. I that's something I've been doing. That was part of the reason that I started this podcast. Okay, part of it. And the interesting thing is, while I initially started the podcast to help men get better at their relationships at home because I could see it affecting their business relationship. What I discovered very quickly is that my audience was more than half women because mm. they were wanting to know what I had to say. And so I've adjusted it some, uh, the approach that I'm taking with the podcast. So it's morphed a little bit over time, not a lot, uh, but that definitely is something I talk about. And I think very much, I believe that when our most significant relationships, usually those are at home, but not always, they can be friends, close clients, colleagues, that sort of thing. When those are functioning the way they're supposed to, it naturally and positively impacts our business relationships. Because, I mean, hello, let's just, let's just put you it take out. it with you. I teach this to coaches. I teach this to all sorts of people. You bring your funky junk to work, whether you want to or not. When you oh, are yeah. beefing with your partner, whoever that is, when things are not good at home, when you've got, when you're mad at your mama or whatever it is, you can't help. It, you know, the old adage is whatever's in the coffee cup, you spill the coffee cup. It's not the spilling of the coffee cup. It's what's in it, right? Like, you know, you, mm -hmm. you bump into somebody, what's in it is going to, it's going to come out. And so I, yep. I teach that to so many people that, um, and, and I know myself when I'm not good with my husband or when something's going on. It it's it doesn't make me at my peak, you know. So then I want to mm -hmm. start studying how can I um how can I enrich this relationship at home? How can we mm -hmm. be better so that it makes me a better Rachel and everything else I do? For sure. You know, I I developed something a a, fr a a phrase that a lot of people like to use right now is framework. Okay. And it kind of it gets old to me because everybody uses it. Yeah. So I came up with the uh with the F6 formula. It's the six areas of a man's life he tends to struggle in after he gets married. Uh, and these happen to be in alphabetical order. Uh, they're faith, fashion, fitness, food, friendship, and fun. Those six areas. Uh, now, there's a story behind the F6. Now, what part of the country did you grow up in? All over. I'm a military. <laughs> and then I'm okay. south, I would say, but all okay. over. Okay. Well, I'm based in Kansas City. Okay. So Midwest, we have tornadoes. We have tornadoes here too. Yep. Yep. Okay. Well- Tornadoes are measured on an F scale. Typically, they're F1 to F5. Mm -hmm. The higher the number, the more the destruction. Okay. There is a very rare F6. Yep. It's not measured in terms of destruction. It's measured in terms of devastation. So rather than houses being flattened, cars turned upside down, when an F6 comes through, if it's a half a mile wide, 
there's nothing left in that half a mile wide path. I mean, it completely uproots trees. It pulls up houses, including the foundation, and it flattens hills. So there's literally nothing left. That is exactly what happens in a man's life when any one or all of those six areas are out of whack. The same thing happens. I'm going to send this podcast to my husband. <laughs> Great. I could, he, I, he and I could talk. I'd be yeah, happy to talk is, to him. He is a provider to the he is a, um, he is, I'm teaching, he, he's, he's come to teach me a lot of lessons in life. And that's what marriage does. And I teach him mm -hmm. a lot of things. Um, I'm teaching him that self-care is not selfish, that soul care. Oh my gosh, it's so important. And, and, and he has a military background and a German background. And, and those things, he, he finally admitted to me a couple of years into the, into the, well, not in the marriage, but someone in the marriage, a couple of years in the relationship um, I was raised live to work, work to live, right? And and he finally, he finally um came out and, and said, There's a little part of me that, yeah, you know, I know you're out there teaching soul care, but like there's a little part of me that feels like there's some selfishness to it. I'm like, oh my gosh, honey, it's not. It's anything but selfish. And I have not done it in a while and I need to do it. This podcast is is kismet and a great reminder. Make him an acupuncture appointment. He's got a bike. Hmm. You know, he loves acupuncture, like Okay. But if you don't, if you, um, if I have to help him to that mm -hmm. place, you know, because yeah. he said he's such a provider, he's such a worker, he's so wonderful, he's such a leader of our home, and he puts himself last, and then mm. there's nothing left, and then he's worn out like a nub, and mm -hmm. um, and I'm and I, I just want him to be fulfilled in every way. Yeah, you know, one of the things that that I remember um, that was challenging in my marriage, we had very different schedules. So when she would work, I'd be off and vice versa, made it really challenging. Um, and so we didn't have a consistent date night at all. And when we had it, you know, she took care of everything and I just kind of showed up. And what I tell men all the time now, Rachel, is this, those days are over. Men, this is your job now, you own this. So that means you figure out what you're doing, where you're going, how you're getting there, if you have children, you have to make sure they are properly provided for. And if you don't say that and spell that out, this is what men will do. They will plop the children down in front of the TV, turn on some streaming service and put something akin to food, not really food, but akin to it in front of the children and go. That's what they'll do. I'm like, nope, that doesn't work. You get it all taken care of. Her only job is to show up and look beautiful. That's it. Her mm. only job. Mm. Now, of course, I get pushback from men mm -hmm. all the time. It's like, John, you don't know, man. You don't know what it's like. Okay, first of all, hello, I'm divorced. I know exactly what it's like. I said, however, even if I wasn't, explain to me what you mean. It's like, well, when we were dating, there was these elaborate dates and we did all these and they were so expensive. And now our money's pulled together. And she's going to know how much I spent. I said, whoa, 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 hold on. First of all, you're assuming she's stupid and she doesn't know how much you spent. She knows exactly how much money you spent on the date. I said, however, if money really is an issue, here are two date ideas for you. One is free, one costs a dollar, and I give them away all the time. And here they are. Here's the first one, the free one. Again, making sure the children, if you have them, are all taken care of. You're going to go for a leisurely walk in the neighborhood. Again, this is not a workout. This is a walk. We're just walking in the neighborhood. That's all we're doing. Not a fast pace. And we're talking to one another. And we're talking about things. We're not talking about the children. We're not talking about the bills. We don't talk about any of that stuff. Dreams, hopes, plans. Yes. Ideas. Well, and the most important part and all that for the man is for him to share what's going on inside of him, because we're not encouraged as boys, let alone men to do that. 
It's not in our DNA. It is in our DNA to do it, but we're not trained how to do you're it. Not, you're, not, you're not trained to do it. Let me, let me throw one back at you. When I Please. speak to men, I speak to a lot of men. I've spoke to men predominantly, and I speak to women as well and love it. But when I speak to kings, and I have predominantly tons of, like I said, college football programs, I tell them, I say, look, let's just, um, let, let's look at how you're programmed. You have a twin sister. You are two years old. You're in the driveway. Your parents are out there with you. You're running around. Your little sister falls and scrapes her knee. What do we do to the little girl? Oh, they don't, you're going to be okay. What do we do to the little boy? Get up. Don't cry. Shut up. Move on. You know, put some dirt on it. Keep moving. So I'm not mad at your mom, your grandma, your any of those things, but you think way back way to the grandfather's grandfather's grandfather, and even before then, have come back from war and were killing people or or defending people. And 72 hours later, we're sitting at the dinner table asked to pash the mashed potatoes. So we've got an, a problem with compartmentalization. And we've also down the line told men that to be masculine and to be attractive, you've got to man up, shut up, put some dirt on it and keep moving. And any good woman who is healthy and progressive wants, would rather her man say, I'm struggling with something. I've been struggling with it. It's either anxiety or depression or something's going on here, or I've got, you know, I'm, I'm worried about the bills. What can we do together? Like any good woman would want worth her salt that's walking in her queendom, her queenship would want a man to not struggle alone and not carry it alone. Because here's what I know. Men are three times more likely to commit suicide. The reason why is because, like we talked about, programmed to not talk about those things. So I get in front of men and say, you've never been so masculine. You've never been so attractive. You've never been so strong as when you say, I can't handle this on my own. And Mm -hmm. you can call it going into a cave. You can call it any of the things that you want to call it. But that is what y'all are programmed to do by the world. And I am out there trying to destigmatize and reprogram men of all ages and tell them that a good woman, a good support would like to hold your hand and know what's going on versus you shutting her out, isolating and potentially getting yourself into a dangerous situation. For sure. Yeah. And what I what I tell men as well is, first of all, that's what she needs in the relationship. When you don't give that to her, you are cutting off her relational oxygen. You're killing her. Uh, what is that? Uh, love and respect. You step on the oxygen tank. We're we we're so aligned, my friend. We're so aligned. <laughs> so that's that's some that was the that was the free one. Uh, the dollar one is go to McDonald's, do the yes. drive-through, get a soft serve cone, and you share the cone. Yes. So and, something as simple as that. And it's not even about what you do. It's just it has nothing doing to do with it that. Together. It's, it's about it being together. together. And and to the men that are listening to this podcast, take it one step further and send her the five love languages quiz. It's completely yes. free. And find or out what do it together. Are. Yeah, or do it together. And yeah. it's completely free. And mine right. is words of, I mean, I, I tell my husband, I'm like, baby, on a platter, here's here's how to love me. Like words mm-hmm. of affirmation and gifts. Like that's my, that's it. And, 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 that, and that's it. And I'm like, you just have to tell me I'm wanted and I'm pretty and you love me. And, mm-hmm. and sometimes, and I don't care if it's an expensive gift. I don't care if you stop on the side of the road and get me that cone or get a, some flowers from wildflowers. It's the fact that you thought about me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. For anybody who's wondering out there, because we have talked about uh, the five love languages before. Uh, mine happen to be words of affirmation and physical touch. Those are mine. So anybody who wanted to know. <laughs> Your next wife wanted to know. 
Yeah. Hopefully she's listening. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've met plenty of the not future Mrs. Hewlands. So <laughs> well, plenty you know, of and, those. And you know what? They, they'll just teach you what you don't want. And you know, it's funny that you said that, Rachel, because when when I uh, when I first got divorced, once I worked through the hurt of that and I was ready to start dating again, I had a relatively long list of what I wanted and a not particularly long list of what I don't want. Now, those it. are completely the opposite. Yeah. And there's a whole lot of what I don't want. And there's just a very few things have to have. You know what? She got to love Jesus first. Yes. Number one, she's got to love Jesus. Love Jesus, love my kids. And if she isn't an entrepreneur, can live with an entrepreneur because that's a different kind of life. It it's is. just different. I, there's nothing regular about what I do. Nothing, especially being a serial <laughs> entrepreneur where all my businesses are different. Yep. yep. So <laughs> I'm picking up what you're putting down, my friend. <laughs> I appreciate that. I appreciate that. And so, I've also had two people in one of my courses fall in love. So I might be your matchmaker. You know what? At this point, I could. I would take just about any help I could get. So <laughs> you, you know what I always ask people, I say, what are your non-negotiables? You know, like what you just said to me, you know, what are you mm -hmm. looking for? What are your non-negotiables? And then I introduce two people and to take the pressure off of what I do is I just say, I'm introducing two friends. And if something comes out of it, something comes yeah. out of it. But if not, it's not awkward and weird. It's like, right. hey, John, meet my friend, Debbie, you know, and mm -hmm. I hook y'all up on a text. And if y'all start talking and you take it somewhere, you take it somewhere. And if you don't, you don't. But I had two people in one of my courses, um, speaking of being an entrepreneur and a creator, which is very scary. I want to tell people that, that, you know, when you create something and put it out in the world, it's terrifying. And you mm -hmm. hope people will watch. You hope people will listen. But uh, I'd rather do that than live on the sidelines. And um, mm -hmm. I just can't. And so uh, a couple of years ago, I created this course. It was like a six-week course. I think it was six weeks. And I priced it at that and it was recorded and I was going to do like one thing at the end and they got workbooks and all of that. Mm -hmm. And so I sold a bunch of uh, like 60 spots to it and I was so excited. And towards the like a week out, I heard God say to me, and there's probably four or five times in my life, maybe six, where I've heard audibly the voice of God and um and in my ear in my spirit and he said do it live and it and it reminded me of my favorite movie uh yeah. field of dreams you know if you build you know like yeah. he said do it live do it live and i was like i can't do it live god i'm gonna look like an idiot you know like <laughs> and here's the marketing and it's this price point and i can't do that that's six weeks like I, I, I cannot do it no god and he just kept on me and finally i relented and I just said, hey, listen, I, I turned it around just like I'm, I'm explaining to you. And I said, when you hear from whatever your higher power is, I'd love for it to be God. For me, it's God. When you hear him say to you something, listen to him. He's doing it for a purpose. So I ended up doing this course live and so much life change happened. So many mm. wonderful things. People got into therapy. People started new jobs. Nice. But two people in the course met and fell <laughs> in love. And they're on their way to being married as we speak. And so yeah, good for and them. they would have, I mean, maybe, yes, God is way, you know, maybe they would have met on a plane one day or something, but I had a little small hand in them meeting. Mm. And it's like, when I put it, I put the story in my new book because I was so proud of it. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. That is really cool. Well, let's dig into Relentless Joy a little bit. I have a picture. So look at that beautiful book. I love that. <laughs> Fantastic picture, by the way. You know, Thank not you. every author should be on the front cover of theirs, but uh, <laughs> come on. I mean, 
Thank you. You're, you're a beautiful woman. Thank There's you. every reason you should be on the cover. And your husband, very fortunate man. Thank you. Which I'm sure he knows. I believe it. Yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> I believe it. I, I feel very confident in saying he married up. He, uh, he, yes, I will, I will, I will receive that because I've worked on in my own soul work, receiving compliments, um, and mm. genuinely receiving compliments. But I tell you, I married a catch too. He walks into yeah. a room and he still takes my breath away. And I'm like, after seven years. And I love to hear that. Yeah. And I, I had, you know, like I, uh, I've been single. This is my first marriage. I'd been single and you always wonder, like, when you get married for the, you know, you wonder, like, or when you settle down with somebody, you know, and, and decide to be in a in a monogamous relationship, you always wonder, like, will this ever, you know, and there are days where you get on each other's absolute last nerve. I mean, that's just <laughs> marriage. But yep. still, when he walks into a room, uh, you know, I'm like, oh, man, who's that guy? And then people, they, people will say to me, they're like, your husband is a good looking fella. I'm like, I know that. So, yeah, I'll, I'll share that with him. <laughs> well, good, good. You should. So everybody's asking you this about the book. Yeah. Why, why write it? And why write it now? I mean, obviously, you started at one point, decided to stop, and that became a part of this book. So why was this the right time? Uh, it was because I, I wrote it for I wrote it for um, for the people that are, are have already read it that are going to read it. I I did it. I did it. Literally with tears streaming down my face, typing, thinking of the people that were going to hold it. I, I knew yeah. it. I wrote it for people. I knew God had told me my story was going to touch other people's lives and mm -hmm. it was going to help people. And, you know, I, I had some really touchy topics in the book. You know, people asked me, I, I just did a book signing the other day and they were like, why this book on joy? And I'm like, because it's not a fluffy book on joy. It's gritty. It's uh, it's in the mud. It's in the low places. And it's in there. There's you know, about purity and addiction and losing my parents and grief and all of the things that you would not necessarily associate with the book about joy, but yet there was joy in all of those things. And even when I got on the wrong, wrong, wrong track, and even when I lost my mom, and even when I lost my dad, and even when I went through addiction, and even in loneliness. And so I wrote it because I know that there's so many people out there that are struggling currently, and they mm -hmm. feel blasted or, blasted or barren. And cannot figure out how to find joy or notice joy or spread joy. Or there's the soccer mom or the CEO dad or whoever it is, flip the roles that is like, I have it all. I've got a good house. I've got this. I've got the family. But still, I feel empty. Like there's something more here. And so um, I've been all of those people in my life. Um, you know, I've been the happy and, the, and then I've been the something. And so I wanted to write it really for a wide swath of people. And that's what I'm finding. People are, are really no matter where you are in life, it's, it's something that will grab you by the heart and soul. Yeah. You know, I, I offer this to you, uh, partly because I don't get to use this part of my education very much part of my educational background. Um, I am an ordained minister. Okay. I went to and graduated from seminary. Okay. Uh, people who listen to this podcast know that it's not something I talk about all the time, but I want to talk to you for a moment about the difference between happiness enjoy because they're not the same thing they're not and if you go to the root of those two words specifically the word happy or happiness is actually happenstance mm -hmm. which means how i feel the level of my happiness is dependent upon what's going on in my life right now joy on the other hand is an active choice to be it's more than just positive it's more than a mindset it is a total 
consuming of who you are, that in the midst of the worst chaos you could possibly be in, you are grounded, you are solid, and you can move forward. That doesn't, and you can have a smile on your face in the midst of the worst stuff. Yeah. That's joy. You know, I say in the book at the end of each chapter for those that grab the book, and by the way, for for your listeners, you can just go to Amazon right now. It's the easiest way. You can go anywhere where books are sold, but um, you, Amazon, you can have it tomorrow. But at the end of each chapter, I do something called a joy start. And mm. to your point, it's like a jump start for your car, but a joy start for your soul. And nice. I teach people how to be joy starters who notice joy, spread joy, and are joy. And when somebody's having a hard moment, you know, uh, and you can go be joy for them. You can go stand in the gap mm. for them. Um, but you're absolutely right. You know, for me, the ultimate, so the joy start, let me, let me say this really quickly, is I teach you the chapter and then the joy start immediately invites you into the story. Okay. Mm. It says, is there a time in your life? Blah, blah, blah. You know, like, so immediately, instead of waiting to the end of the book, which is there is journal space that I fought for, but instead of having to wait to the end of the book, you can actually invite yourself into the story right there. Right. But I said this the other day to somebody and I think, I don't think I know. Jesus was the ultimate joy starter. He was the ultimate, like the ultimate person, like, you know, joy embodied. Right. And then this mm-hmm. little girl told me the other day, she and her mom came up with this book signing and she said, what is happiness? Happiness is it happens to me. Joy mm-hmm. and the greatest kind of joy is that somebody else just got a promotion. Somebody got mm. a gig that you helped connect them with. Um, yeah. Your kid, you know, got the medal in school. They got all A's like. Joy, I think the greatest kind of joy is when you are so joyful for other people and it doesn't even directly affect you. You just are just plum, I mean, tickled pink, you know, just Southern saying, you know, just through somebody else because they're experiencing joy or experiencing a milestone in their life. And and I also said in the book that I think joy is the emotion that most has our back. And what do I mean by that? I mean... That even in our most crushing circumstances, there's joy that is just begging to be noticed, right? Like Mm. we may have just signed the divorce paper and walked out of the lawyer's office and looked down and there's one little flower pushing up to the concrete, (laughs) you know? And, And if you're cynical, I understand you're cynical, but you can change. That little thing was actually a love note from God. He put it right there at that moment for you to be able to discover it. and um a rainbow or a red bird or whatever your thing is, like mm-hmm. John and St- uh, Stasi Eldridge talked about it. Like that is God saying to you, hey, I'm doing this for you. This is a love note for you. And so I think mm-hmm. joy most has our back. It's there. It's just waiting to be noticed. Not sure I could have said that better myself, Rachel. <laughs> mm. This is going to be, I don't ask this to every one of my guests, but I don't know how I couldn't ask this question. How does your faith impact your business? Oh, that's a good one. Uh, Bobby Bowden, the late Bobby Bowden was a friend of mine. Mm. And he said, Shug, I'm going to do a bad impression. Shug, you thought you preaching the Bible without ever preaching the Bible. And I said, yes, sir, I know I do. So what do I mean by that? I mean that um, in places where I'm not allowed, where I'm told I cannot mention, you know, faith, um, there are still principles of the Bible that I'm still teaching. And then um, in my RJB brand, Rachel Joy Barbeau, I'm very faith-based and open. And I'm changing the narrative. It's non-faith-based, but it affects mm. everything I do. The way I treat people, the way I you know, handle my money, the way I give, the way I love, it, it, it is everything. And, um, and, and, you know, for me, I also love about this book and then how I operate my life is that I try to be inclusive. 
because gracious, there are so many quote unquote religious people out there that are mm-hmm. turning people off um, by saying you can't do this or you can't wear that or that's not right or being judgmental. And in the book, I said in the beginning of the book, I said, um, whether you're church or mad at God, don't know God, believe another religion, like, you know, wherever you are at the spectrum, at the very least, I want you to finish this book and think that Jesus was a really rad dude. And even like, just because <laughs> he was, he was rad and he was a dude at one time, you know, he was a dude. And mm-hmm. at the very least, be curious about him. And I, I keep thinking about the people that I have a, one of two of my best friends. One is not religious at all. And her husband's an atheist. Mm-hmm. They bought my book. They have my, you know, they they supported me. They went to my events. I stayed with them during one of my book launches. And, uh, and you know, I keep thinking about them reading the book. And they may never change their, their thinking, but at least they might be curious. They might have a different mm-hmm. perspective of God that they never had before. So I am just an inclusive person. And I, I, want, I want to be, there's a quote, I'm going to butcher it. I want to be so light and lovely that people wonder what I have. And it makes them want <laughs> I, I don't okay. want to be this. Yeah, I hear you. You know, I, without I've without had... not sacrificing the doctrine and without right, I want to sacrifice what what the truth is. But you hear what I'm saying? I do, I do. Yeah. You know, I I had a a good friend who actually was a a mentor of mine many years ago. He had me do an exercise, uh, and you've probably heard of this before. And I I was very young at the time. I was like 19. He goes, "I want you to write what's on your headstone. Mm, yeah. You die." What is it going to say on your headstone? I was 19. I had no idea what to put on it. I mean, none. I mean, I struggled with that for a week trying to figure out what to put on it. I couldn't come up with anything. And he's like, what'd you come up with? I said, I got nothing. He goes, how could you possibly have nothing? He's like, what do you want people to remember you for? Again, 19, you don't have enough years behind you to really even know what to put on there. I said, maybe I'd understand better if you tell me, what do you want on yours? He goes, when I was your age, it would have been really long. He goes, you get to be, and see, he was like 70. This guy's 70-year-old talking to this 19-year-old punk. He goes, this is what it is today. He goes, it's really simple. He loved God and he loved people. And truthfully, that is the gospel in a nutshell. I mean, that is the great commandment. Love God with all your mind, heart, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's loving God and loving people. That's it. If we can do those two things, and believe it or not, Rachel, every decision I make in my personal life and in my business life, I use those two lenses Everything goes through, I'll call them filters, I guess. They, yeah. Everything gets filtered through that. If I can't say yes, when I'm asked a question, filtering through those, I don't do it. Amen. I just, I don't. And I have, I've turned down some pretty lucrative things because it just, it wasn't a fit through those lenses. To me, it's that important. So it's, it's incredibly important. I remember when I was a sportscaster, I said no deals with, you know, um, uh, you know, tobacco companies or alcohol companies or no, no, you know. I was in sports and no remote mm-hmm. at strip clubs. And I remember my boss at one particular stop was like, you're going to do this. You're going to get, you're going to go to this, this um, remote. And I said, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm sorry. And I'm not judgmental at all. My grandmother mm-hmm. was a bartender. If you want to enjoy a cocktail from time to time, I do. That's not it. I, I'm just not going to be sponsored by those things. I'm not going to promote those things. You're never going to see me with alcohol in my hand and pictures. I just, I'm not promoting that. And so mm-hmm. that's through the lens, the lenses that that I go through. And and uh and and it just wasn't didn't line up with my brand. It didn't line up with my lenses and my filters, as you said. So um sure. I, I think the same thing. I teach and I'm changing the narrative 
I teach live the kind of life that if you need, when you lay your head on the pillow at night, you've said what you need to say, you've fixed what you need to fix, you have said you're sorry if you screwed something up, you have lived your life from point A to point Z of that day in a way that you are proud of. And if there's something in there that you're not, fix it. Get up, get on the phone, send a message, send an email, send a carrier pigeon for, you know, for Pete's sake, send something. <laughs> but, um, and if you are proud of yourself, reach around and pat yourself on the back because life is hard. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I, I'm huge on that. So we align very much. So this podcast is called Relationships and Revenue. So as you might imagine, we do talk about relationships yeah. on here. So I want to know, what is it that you're doing right now? And you kind of hinted at it a little bit before, but what are you doing right now to improve or to make better your most significant relationships at home? And what impact do those relationships have on your business? Humbling myself, humbling myself, getting in front of God and asking God how I can love my husband in the most godly way possible. Mm. And, uh, and, and it's laying down any resentments, it's laying down any battles and, and just applying the seven times 77. I had a woman tell me recently, she said, you mean I'm supposed to forgive my father, excuse my, my, my trigger warning here that sexually assaulted me? Yes. I, I know that's mm. hard, but that's what the Bible calls to do. That it doesn't mean you need to let him back in your life and he has to be in the front right. row and all of those things, mm. but that's what he calls to do. And so. I recognize I'm better here. I'm better in every part of my life when my husband and I are on the same page. And I am a sassy, fiery Latina. And sometimes that can come off as disrespectful. And I understand that a man's language is respect and a woman's language is love. Um, and that's their oxygen tank, so to speak. Not to, not to say that my husband doesn't also need to be loved, but he needs to be respected. He needs to feel respected at home in his well, life. that's how he feels love. That's how he feels love. And so... I recognize that some things that I say or do can come off as disrespectful. Well, then I need to work on them. And, uh, and I need to uh, also work on, the other thing is, I think in marriages or just any relationship is you're pointing out somebody else's junk, but where's your junk, you know? And you're never, mm-hmm. that's just that I'm changing. You're never, I can't ever sweep your side of the street. I can, I can be so great at sweeping my side of the street that you are inspired to sweep your side of the street. But I can't do your work for you. All I can do is get the log out of my own eye and go, Lord, let me see me. You love me enough to let me see me like you see me, which is one perfect in the way that you created me. But I could also go to the fire. I could also be refined. There's also things I can work on. And Lord, help me do this work so that I can be a good wife. Um, And that's, yeah, it's a humble. I tell people all the time, get married or have a, get married really is it get married and you will recognize a lot about yourself <laughs> um, yeah i recognized before yes oh my goodness that is yes. so true oh man it is a mirror and it's like oh ooh. and it's it's a crystal clear mirror it is and you're it like it is not foggy at all no and you're like i look i ooh, i've got and so really marriage is a humbling, it is humbling. And it is like, okay. And then also too, somebody told me this a really long time ago, um, in, in relationships, but particularly marriage, if you're always, th- if I'm thinking about how can I help my husband today? How can I make his day better? How can I, um, how can I serve him? And mm-hmm. that's coming from a very independent, you know, sh- head strong driven woman, but I love serving. How can I, how can I make his life better and love him well? Then 
And if he's thinking the same thing, then you're both going to be filled up. So it's yep. steep. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's it makes me think of going back to my uh, some of my roots here. It's difficult for me at times when I see people pick and choose certain parts of the Bible. Oh, I'm going to follow this, but not that. Or they base something in their life around this one small independent little verse, but they don't really understand the entire context. Um, I'm thinking specifically in the New Testament where Paul talks about wives submitting to their husband. You hear that often. And I understand why some women bristle at that. I, I drew. But what most people don't know is that the imperative in that clause, which is a whole bunch of verses, is actually right before that, is that Christ calls the husband and wife to love one another as Christ loved the church. So yeah. as that's happening, the submission doesn't become a big deal. But if, after that one little verse about where Paul is talking to the wives, there's a whole bunch more to the husbands. So there's yeah. way more to us as dudes, way more. I mean, yes, women are... Wives are supposed to submit to their husbands, but we're supposed to love her. It's Christ loved the church. Wow. That's a big deal. And that's really hard to do. I'm just it's, being honest. It is. <laughs> it's especially when we arrive as two flawed human beings in a marriage mm -hmm. and we are all broken. And I have a very, I, I, we are, I have a very smart friend of mine who's a therapist that if we were not friends, she would be my therapist because she's that good. She says oh, wow. we filters. And each one of us have a filter, like a screen on our life. And that filter is um, all the things you've been through as a child, all the things that shaped you growing up. So mm -hmm. to be called radical vulnerability in my movement, my stuff would be rejection and abandonment and feeling unlovable. Mm. So unless I'm attacking that filter with the sword of truth, I'm not unlovable. I'm not rejected. I'm not abandoned. Things can come through that filter. My husband can say something and he didn't even mean anything by it. And I take it as rejection or abandonment, and then I'm hurt, fly off, get defensive, whatever. And he too, his things, his filter, I say something, he filters right through. And then unless he's attacking it, therapy, Jesus, honesty, self-reflection, you know, mm -hmm. whatever it is that you need, then those things can fly through your filter. And all of a sudden you're just, you're in a, what they call the crazy cycle, you know, and <laughs> nobody wants to be in the crazy cycle. No, no. What does success look like to you? Uh, making God proud uh, at the end of the day. I, I, Yes, I would like to make more money. I would like to make more money. And a friend of mine, Brittany Turner, told me this. And I love it. She used to live in her car. And now she owns an island next to Richard Branson. So talk wow. about that. Yes, I would, I'll introduce you to her for a podcast guest, actually. Why uh, don't you talk to her? She's amazing. And she says, uh, I want to make more money and I'm unashamed of it. I want to make more money because when I make more money, it flows through me like a river, not a yes, reservoir. Yes. It does not yes. stay with me. And the more money I make, the more people I can touch, the more go into Haiti and teach them different ways with the government. I can go into Africa and, and set up sustainable economies in villages so that people don't have to sell their children because they don't mm -hmm. have anything to eat. And, and literally are selling off their children to horrific things. Sound of freedom, okay? Oh, like right, things right. of that nature. It's happening around the world for utter devastation and poverty. And she says, so I'm unashamed to want to make more money. I want to mm. make more money so I can help more people. Now, if you want to make more money to hoard it and keep it and all to yourself and you just want to get rich, baby, I'll tell you, you can't take it behind you in the hearse. It That's ain't right. going with you. 
And I'm not <laughs> saying to die penniless, but if you are a giver, God sees that. And, and I believe he will continue to bless you. Mm, love that. Yeah. What is your number one daily habit? Uh, I, prayer. I mean, that's a, that's a big one. Um, prayer. Um, gosh, what's a, another one? I think it would be prayer because every day looks okay. different for me. That's the other thing. As an entrepreneur, yes. you get this. There are some days where, um, like yesterday, I know I'm traveling all week long. I allowed myself, no one was in my house. My kids weren't here. My husband was traveling. I allowed myself to lay on the couch all afternoon and binge watch a show. And I did not let myself feel guilty about it. By the way, it's called A Small Light. And it was fantastic. It was about the... um, the Frank family and uh, and and World War II and the Holocaust, mm. unreal. By the way, unreal. Um, and Frank, Otto, Frank, the rest of the family, a small light. Mm. But I allowed myself to do that. So on those days, you know, I'm not going to say, "Well, I work out every day," or "I put on makeup every day," or "I," yeah. you know, I love water. That's that's another big one. I, I have to do that one every day. But mm. but there's not something I necessarily do every day. But I do have conversations with God every day. So there you go. Okay. In your mind, what makes a great leader? Somebody who is always looking to develop the skills of those he's leading. And if they leave and they go fly, which is the point, and they have their own dreams and things they do, then you, I won. I won. If that, I, I won as a, as a person who inspired them to go do those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I love that. Um, somebody who will lead from behind, who will get in there and do the work with you who will be honest and say, I messed up. I, I, I didn't do this right. Or I didn't treat you right. Or I was short there. Can you forgive me? You can ask my team and I'm changing the narrative. I am going to always try to ask nicely. I'm going to apologize when I screw up. I'm going to ask for open communication. I'm going to say, what do you need me to do? Let's get in there and do it together. And I want to inspire them to go be great in everything that, that and to chase their dreams. Yeah. Mm, love that. Love that. What would you say is the best advice you ever received and the best advice you ever gave? Oh, man, um, I've, I've received so much good advice in my life, so much good advice. And, and I'll, I'll do a shameless plug. A lot of it's in the book. So you need to go. Okay, buy the book, great. But joy. Um, there's a ton in there. But some of the uh, best advice I've given to somebody recently is I met a, a young lady. We actually, uh, people banded together before my book launched and donated 900 copies of these books to give to a women's shelter. It's a women's Christian halfway house to women coming out of the prostitution, drugs, jail, abandonment. Um, and if anybody on your podcast still would like to donate, you can put my contact mm-hmm. information. But I went there this Sunday after my book launch and was able to give out 418 books. Mm-hmm. And then the next 500 women that are coming by the end of the year will get checked into this Christian halfway house coming out of, pro- like I said, prostitution, drugs, jail, abandonment. They have their kids. They can get job training. They can go to school and they'll check in and get a copy of this, which is just amazing. But I've been giving my testimony there for 10 years. And uh, a woman afterwards told me, a friend called me over and said, her father's dying. He's in the hospital, but they don't have a good relationship. He was very bad to her. Mm. And I said to this woman, I said, um, the most impactful and biggest things that, that you could do right now is drive like the wind to that hospital and forgive your father before he leaves this planet. Mm. And I said, you may not think he deserves that, but I want to give you a fresh perspective on your father. One, forgive your parents. They were learning too. Mm. And two, we didn't arrive broken. So 
that father was doing the best he could with the tools he had. And we don't know who broke his tools, John, growing up. We don't know who broke him. We don't know what happened to him. We don't know, unless we are super, super thoughtful about it, we will repeat generational patterns over and over and over again. I see it, the way we talk, the way we get angry, the way we regress, the way we run away, the way we interact. Unless we're super intentional about it, you will repeat it, okay, good or bad. And so I said to her, I said, he, forgive him. He did not arrive broken. Whatever he did to you, if you were to get the full story of what happened to him in his life, now I'm not, I'm not giving him an out. I'm not saying it was okay, but I'm saying mm. something happened to him along the way to make him be broken, to break you, right? Yeah. But if you do not forgive him for the rest of your life, you will experience some level of regret. And regret mm -hmm. is the nastiest bedfellow and it will eat you alive. And I want to save you from regret. And if you can hold his hand as he's leaving this earth and offer forgiveness and just tell him, I forgive you, dad. And you get to, to watch your father depart this earth. It will be the, one of the greatest blessings that ever happens to you in your entire life. And just then this really uh, hard wound up woman, the tears began to fall. And she said, I'm going to go. I'm going to go tonight. And I said, ride like the wind, sister. Ride like the wind. Powerful. Yeah. Very. Who is investing in you right now? And how do you invest in yourself? Yeah. Um, I have so many people that, that people that every person that's buying this book is investing in me. I have a club, the Joy Starters Club. It's joystartersclub.com that where people pay for the cost of a cup of coffee. They get, they get texts from me and messages from me. And we have mm. a month meeting and and they get swag and they get a physical journal to write in. Those people invest in me. Any person who's ever believed in me or prayed for me or any of those things cheered me on, had a girl, those people are investing in me. And I'm investing in my bonus children. I'm investing in my husband. I'm investing in my marriage. Um, I am saying, I'm going to love you like Jesus. And I am going to forgive and I am going to move on and I'm going to see the best in you. And I'm going to call out the greatness in you. I'm going to show you grace, love, and mercy. And that's, I'm investing in my family. We're coming up to wrap up time here pretty quickly, okay. Rachel. Uh, we have a final four, which I think you'll appreciate that we go through. But before we get there, uh, first thing, how can folks find you? Yeah. First of all, I have to say to you, I just said good. When you getting ready to wrap up, that sounded so terrible. <laughs> so you can either edit that will be a, No, they, we don't edit on this show. Okay, we well keep then, it all in. Then they get all of this. And so I just was, I was self-editing myself and I was like, God, oh, he said, we're wrapping up. I said, good. <laughs> it's just, it's the, um, it's the, it's the person I mean that knows like the next thing and the next thing and the next thing this week. Uh, yeah. but, uh, anyway, I just had to make you laugh. They can find <laughs> me on socials, um, at Rachel Barbeau, Instagram threads, Twitter, LinkedIn, you know, all the things that we are on. Uh, mm -hmm. and then also rachelbarbeau.com. And then I'm changing the narrative.org, the letter I, the letter M, changing the narrative.org. I answer my own emails. I love it. And so if you write me, I see it. It might take me a while to write you back, but I love um, connecting with people. I, again, I had another person at my wedding that I met on social media. Uh, oh, wow. So, yeah. And then, the, and then the two people that fell in love in one of my courses, they were on social media. I mean, excuse me, they were at my wedding. Um, oh, cool. So, yeah. So I love connecting with people and have made really, really good friends, best friends from social media. So mm. um, I would love to connect with people that way. I love that. That is so fun. Um, I, I have to say, before we get to the final four, I wasn't completely sure what to expect in this interview. And I feel like 
we've been friends for years I know. And, we're, and we're just talking. <laughs> it's just the two of us and anybody else who's along. Well, they're just along for the ride because this is just for the two of us. So, I know. And I feel like I'm, I'm going to come back on your podcast because we just we just scratched the surface. Oh, good night. And, yes. Yeah, and and it's funny. You you weren't sure. Why weren't you sure? Like why you just weren't. You no, know, it had nothing to do with you personally. It's just yeah. if if I don't know the person or at least a, a lot about them ahead of time, I'm just yeah. not 100% sure kind of how it'll go. And I, I stopped the guessing part years ago as far <laughs> as figuring out, trying to figure out ahead of time how it's going to go. Because every time I do it, I'm wrong. Every time. It's, well, it's kind of like the person you meet, but the person you meet, you've only heard their voice and you think you know what they look like. I am wrong every single time. <laughs> every time. So that's why. No, it wasn't I, me personally. Is that what you're saying? It no, it had nothing to do with you personally at all that I was unsure. It was, okay. I just didn't know for sure how it was yeah. going to go. I, I had kind of had an idea, but uh, it wildly exceeded expectation. Thank wildly. Thank so, all right, here we go. First one. It will not be a surprise to you at all. Why did God create Rachel? To be, to live out joy, to embody joy. My uncle gave me the name at birth and I, I haven't tried to live up to it. It's like exuding out of my pores. Mm-hmm. Almost as if maybe the first name rather than the middle name. I know. Just- and funny, funny enough, I, in all, in all the writing and all the things that I do, like when my name is written, I like Rachel Joy Barbeau. And I wish... At about like 10 years ago, I was like, I really wish I was Rachel Joy, Rachel Joy. And so I've started to try to tell people Rachel Joy, like two names, but it's kind of hard to like change it, like after all these years. But I love my middle name. I I truly love my middle name. Yeah. Whereas most people don't. And and people think it's a stage name, too. That's the other funny thing. I get like, (laughs) you know, they're like, is that it? And I'm like, no, it's my real middle name. My uncle named me that. That's very cool. I love that. All right. Number two. What are you doing, reading, or listening to right now that's helping you grow? Yeah. I, you can't I, use the Bible. Come on. I already know I'm that. I'm not using the Bible. I just mentioned it, A Small Light. I just watched it yesterday. Yes. Eight parts. I mean, I between two nights, a night and a day, I binged it because it was soul care. It was like, I'm very interested in, in World War II and the Civil mm-hmm. War and history. I'm also have some Jewish lineage as well. And I'm just very interested in that time. And the just the absolute heroism, and I actually write about it in this book. I, I met a Holocaust survivor in Israel, and he told me a story about how his mother pushed him out of the ghetto, and he lived in the woods for two years and was saved, was almost shot, and then saved by a woman of the night. Wow. Yes. And so if you don't think God can use you, he can use you. <laughs> I don't care if you're a woman of the night or a bartender or a janitor or a CEO or a preacher, he can use you and he wants to. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to take it a step further because I come from the background so I can say this. I feel like I believe that God has used me more in the business world than ever, than, than all of my friends that are in full-time ministry. I mean, I set out to do that. That is not what God wanted for me. He just wanted me to obey to do what he asked. It's like, okay, now we're moving on to the next thing. All I had to do was obey, which is what I did. And I'm way more fulfilled now, I believe, than I would have been otherwise. And that's a much more involved discussion, that very brief thing I mentioned. That's right. That's right. All right. What do you do for fun? Soul care. So I dance, I nap, I read, 
I travel. I watch anything, you know, historical, like I said, on Civil War, World War II. Um, yeah, those are some of the things that I do for fun. Uh, I and, and I'm always editing that. Like, I used to be a big golfer. Right now, I don't have time hmm. to golf. And so, like, what else am I doing in addition to that? Um, like I said, I love to travel. I love mm. live music. Um, love to be with friends that I haven't been with in a long time. Spending time with friends and family. Yeah. Nice. Well, I have a question number four that I typically ask, what are you most grateful for? But you've already shared that multiple <laughs> times. So I'm going to pick something else. Somebody comes to you and they say, Rachel, I, it's time for a new book. I need to read something new other than your own book. What do you recommend to people? Oh, there's a, a ton, a million miles in a thousand years. The love songs of W.E.B. Du Bois. Um, anything by Jojo Moyes, um, the, uh, girls in the stilt house, which is, uh, if you, people like the, the movie that just came out about the, the girl that lived in the swamp, um, it'll come back to me where the crawdads sing. If you mm -hmm. like that, the girls in the stilt house, um, yeah, there's, I could keep going. I've been on a reading tear for about the past six months. I'm also reading something called husband, wife, master slave, amazing book. I just picked up Tina Turner's new book. Mm. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm a reading fool. I love that. Uh, if you are, uh, let me. I'm going to make a podcast recommendation to you. Uh, in fact, I'll make the connection to because it's a friend of mine. Yeah, Jeff Brown is his name. It's called okay. Read to Lead. Okay. Is the name of it. Okay. Uh, every guest he has on is an author. Uh, Jeff is also an author. Okay. But uh, if I'm looking for a great book, I go to Jeff's show because he has the most amazing people on there. Oh, he's so good. And he was in radio for 25 years before he started doing podcasting, like on air talent. And you can tell you just you can you can, you can hear it in Jeff's <laughs> voice. So Thank he's an amazing that. dude. I'd be happy to make that connection. I would two. love that. And I'll connect you to Brittany Turner, too. Great. Great. Well, Rachel, thank you so much for your time. I really, really appreciate it. I feel like I've met an old friend for the first. <laughs> yeah. And. Uh, that, believe it or not, is not something I say very often. Well, I feel very honored. and Thank you for everything you're doing to get this out there and uh, and trying to help us and spreading the word on this book and my movement. And Absolutely. the last thing I'll say is if uh, I'm starting a 12-week coaching program in August, taking 10 people, and it's nice. for people that want to create something, want to bring something to the world, be a better speaker, write a book, mm. start a movement, a nonprofit, whatever it is, you feel like there's something in you, uh, and we're all going to feed off of each other and make each other better. And then nice. do one-on-one -on -one coaching too. So um, people can reach out to me and I can send them information on that. Great. And folks, all the things that Rachel's been talking about, we'll be sure to put in the show notes for you. So for those of you who are out on a run right now, don't stop. Don't write it down. We'll have it for you. Don't you worry about that. So again, Rachel, thank you so much for being here. Uh, it has been a delight to have you with us. Thank you so much. We'll talk soon, my friend. Definitely. And thanks to all of you for tuning in because you've invested your greatest resource and that's your time. And I know you can't get it back. And it means the world to me that you did that. So thanks for being here and we'll talk to you guys next time. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to Relationships and Revenue. I'd love to get your thoughts on the show. Two ways you can do that are to give us a rate and review and or connect with me on social media. You can find me at John Hewlett. Thanks again for listening, and remember, passion gets you started, purpose keeps you going. Have a great day, and we'll see you next time. Bye.